All right, let's see. What's the episode this week? Hmm, special Patreon request by Jacob Wilson. Nice! He's a really stellar guy. All right, what did he pick? Oh, this calls for something way more 90s. Let me just get my hacky sack and my skateboard here. <clears throat> Dude, it's study time here at Golden Boy Podcast, where the lessons are intense and the real world only exists in your mind, man. But what are those lessons? Well, first of all, is that the following audio experience is going to feature language and topics only for the mature dudes and dudettes. A lot of sexy babes and free-loving guys, so make sure you're on the older side before proceeding further. The second lesson, this is a totally spoiler-filled zone that keeps nothing off-limits. These dudes are bound to go off on a tangent and talk about anything in totally spoilerific detail. Whether it's Golden Boy or any other radical cartoon being discussed, don't say we didn't warn you if you haven't seen it yet. The third lesson, everyone here is a free and liberated soul that doesn't need to be chained down in thought or recording. So anything said here doesn't necessarily reflect the podcast or whatever place helps these guys make rent doesn't reflect that as a whole. And last lesson, or first, time doesn't even exist, man. The final lesson is the always be true to where life takes you. Don't just work for the money. Find the thing that makes you happy and live a life worth riding your bike off a cliff for. Live no regrets, man. Now that is truly educational. Happy holidays, one and all, and welcome to the Dub Talk Podcast, where we take a look at the best and worst in English dubs that have ever been created. Yes, we like to put on our VHS tapes, pull out our antique hand-painted cells, and watch some vintage animation with only the finest animation dubbing that we could get in 1996. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to warn you ahead of time that if that disclaimer that you listened to was not a fair warning, this is not an episode for children. No, this is one for only the manliest of men and the perviest of students. So if you wandered into a episode with this title and didn't know that ahead of time, be forewarned. We cleared out the audience? Alright, we cleared the kids out of the pool. Excellent. This is adult swim time, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone say hi to the audience! Hi! Hi there. Ah, you see, I got my enthusiastic crew here. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I have assembled the finest gentlemen who are ready to study our hearts out for a one-of-a-kind performance from a one-of-a-kind kind of show. Uh, to my right, please say hello to Abandul. Hi, folks. You're in for a ride. Uh, yes, you are, on this little Bemo baby. I actually don't know what that's a reference to. I don't I know don't, if Bemo is a, a name, like a company name for motorcycles like I a ducati i'm assuming it's a it's a brand or a like slight variation on an actual brand it might Got be it. like a knockoff to get around copyrights or so something it's, like it's, that it's a wick it's, it's, a, a, wick, it's a wick donald's of some actual motorcycle <laughs> <a> company <laughs> the mig ronald's uh, yes yes the wick donald's of motorcycles yeah and that other uh testosterone fueled voice that you heard is the one and only spaceman hardy say hello man Ah, have you tried this water fountain here in the bathroom? This is great. Ah, <laughs> no. 
I mean, it just shoots the stream out of the toilet. It's just, it's perfect. And, and, and the best part is, it's got like those little free mints as well. Those little <laughs> pink spongy ones. Oh yeah, those are great. <laughs> mm. Classy, right. classy performance tonight. <laughs> so, uh, I want to ask a question to everyone listening out there. Do you remember the 90s? Do you oh. remember... Do, do, do you remember cathode ray to, uh, televisions? Do you remember hand-painted cell animation? And most importantly, do you remember women that actually have the anatomy of women in your Japanese animation? Let me respond to that by saying, Dude, the 90s were rad! Because poor literacy is cool. Oh my god. See that so you were right in the middle of that, like a little older than me and Amon, because we we think '90s, we think like Chuck E. Cheese and the Discovery Zone and the Disney Channel. No, I'm so old enough to remember <laughs> Pogs. Let that sink in. We got a T-shirt for you right here. We we no. got. Uh, and nice... we we actually played Pogs the other night, and it was fun. You know what else is fun? Studying, traveling the world with no job, studying on a bicycle. Yes. We are here to talk about the Golden Boy OVA. Yep, it's that classic 90s six-episode OVA by the fine studio at APPP, uh, who, years before this, uh, gained notoriety for creating the Robot Carnival movie. And, you know, just a couple years later, they decided, you know, animating robots and mechs and all that fun stuff was all well and good. But you know what we really want to do? We want to animate swimming ladies motorcycle ladies animation ladies all the ladies that we can get and one guy who gets to uh learn from all of them learn quotation marks <laughs> that's a point for discussion i'm sure um so uh i want to ask either of you have either of you two seen this ova uh prior to this recording Yes, actually. I remember renting it uh, from the anime video store back when it was still open. Yeah, back on... at the original ADV release, actually. Yeah, Two-parter. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, because yeah. this, yeah, this, uh, this is available up right now, but originally this was released by ADV, and the dub cast is full of ADV regulars. Uh, I had I had not. I de- like, I'd seen, I'd seen clips of it, especially on Twitter. This is mm. a... Great, great show for Twitter. Very easy to just take a chunk of it out of context and present it to random pub- individuals of the public. I mean, uh, it's so just yeah. it's easy enough just to watch that Chihuahua AMV. Uh, but I had not I had not seen it partially because it was it was always one of those perennial ones that like I knew about it because back when I got into anime, like the amount of stuff available in English is still small enough. You kind of learned about anything that was of some note, uh, but I never got around to watching it in any capacity. I got you. So I'm glad that we uh, got you to watch this. And we have one person to thank for that, because this is not just a very special episode because it's Golden Boy. This is a special Patreon request episode. Yes, uh, the fine folks at our Patreon get entered into a monthly raffle, and one lucky winner each month gets to have their choice featured as a dub talk episode. And this time it is... Jacob Wilson! Woohoo! Yay! Yay! Hi, Jacob. 
And I gotta say, directly to Jacob out there, he could have chosen anything in the world. He could have picked anything with an English dub that was readily available for us to talk about. And he zeroed in on this little number here. That is a man who knows his cartoon. So I salute you, sir. Yes, I see you are a man of culture as well. I see you are a man of culture as well. Man of culture and fine dubs, which is what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the ancient English dub for this and see, uh, does it still hold up? Does it not? Spoilers, maybe it doesn't. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't prolong that discussion. Uh, but before I do talk about that, uh, let me give just a quick synopsis of what the show is about. It's a pretty episodic series. It stars uh, a recent college grad named Kentaro Oe. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. He didn't technically graduate. He finished all the course requirements, but left university just short of actually receiving his diploma. And what's he doing with his free time now? He is traveling the world of Japan. He is traveling from city to city, taking up any random job that he can, usually ones that catches fancy because there's a hot woman in the subplot. And throughout the whole series, he basically proves himself smarter than he first comes off because he is a pervy, pervy individual. All the women see through that. But by the end of the episode, because he has either saved the ramen shop or outrun a person on a motorcycle or revealed a conspiracy or fixed their computers or what have you, all the women fall for him. It's so, like it's like then came Bronson if then came Bronson was stupid and horny. That's, I've never heard that comparison before, but yeah, I think you're right. That is kind of what it is. I, I, uh, I'm shocked you've heard of Venkane Bronson, a show I only know of from other people referring to it. I, that's kind of where I know it from as well. <laughs> Honestly, uh, the show I was going to compare it to uh, wasn't even my own comparison. Uh, I have a buddy named um, MC Big Man on Twitter who, uh, when he I told him I was watching this, he said, it's like Kino's Journey if Kino's Journey was horny. <laughs> it's, not a ro- it's not wrong. No, I was mad wrong. because I, I can't dispute you because you're wrong and I hate you for that. Yeah, well, if only Kintaro's bike spoke back to him. Oh, the stories oh. that it could tell. Oh, the things it would. <laughs> I, I speaking of his bike, I do I do want to talk. I do want to briefly mention one of my. I'm not sure it's. I'm amused by the fact that judging by the opening, this appears to be like a Ramana Clef about some dude who's trying to be a professional cyclist. <laughs> it has that vibe, doesn't the, it? The, the, if you show this to me without any context, I would assume this is some sort of proto Yashua pedal like sports anime, not any, not about what it's actually about, which yeah. I find amusing for some reason. Bit of a bait and switch there, a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so we took a look at the English dub for this, and uh, boy, have we got words to say about it. So let's let's jump right into that, shall we? So the. Uh, origins of this dub is uh from adv back in their early days we're talking the mid 90s here this is a very early production from theirs and because of that we have to talk about the adr director and scriptwriter who are one in the same yes the adr director for golden boys dub is matt greenfield now have you heard matt greenfield before if you're on the older side like uh some of us are and you paid attention to dubs done by ADV or even Sentai Filmworks because he's still working for them, then you've definitely heard his work before. If you've seen uh, any of the Dirty Pair uh, Flash OVAs, he was the director on that. Um, if you've seen, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to say like the most popular things around here. 
He did work uh, on Gunsmith Cats, I know. He did, you're right. He was a, yeah, he was an ADR director on that. Another uh, OVA that ADV put out. Um, but he's still doing stuff into the present day, too. Uh, like, if you've seen Deno Coil, which uh, was only dubbed a couple of years ago, even though the show came out a while ago, he was the ADR director on that. So, mm. yeah, Matt, yeah, so he's been in the game for quite a while. Unfortunately, ANN doesn't list credits chronologically, so I can't tell how early in his career this was exactly, but it's definitely near the beginning. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Hardy, what exactly do you take away from, uh, uh, yeah, over 20-year dub at this point? Well, here's the thing about uh, early 90s ADV dubs is that when you go back and listen to them, they tend to sound very hokey. But in all honesty, a lot of times that just adds to their charm. Would I listen to this dub today and say that it's well directed? Probably not in order, not compared to today's standards, but it is a product of its time because uh, you can definitely tell there are a lot of slang from the 90s like, how about them apples? And, ah, yes. Uh, and let me tell you, he got a good handful of those apples. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I think it is a time capsule of its time, and the script writing and directing is definitely, definitely 90s enough. Um, but uh, I think for a product of its time, it's it's certainly, it's certainly eye-catching, I'd have to say, <laughs> if nothing else. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't really fault it, because this was, this was technically pre-Bebop. I yes. know people tend to tend to uh, focus on Bebop as being the the changing point uh, as far as dubs are concerned, and so this this had its it, it has its fun with itself. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, wackity, wackity. <laughs> See, the thing about the the whole Cowboy Bebop comparison is that like Cowboy Bebop's dub had very serious material to work with. This show is not serious. This show is not the kind of thing where I feel like you could give it the bebop treatment. Even if you listen to the original Japanese, the characters are directed to be... Well, the main character is goofy and silly, and the other characters are melodramatic. So I don't think that uh, that kind of like serious dubbing of like normal-sounding people would really work. It needed this kind of cartoonish uh, direction. Yeah, and when you compare it to other ADV dubs at this point, because at this point they really hadn't done anything serious. Like mm. they they really their first big major serious production had to have been Evangelion, and this this I believe predates it. I don't want to lie and say it does it. Okay, so the the OVAs in Japan came out in late 1995 and into middle of 1996. So yeah. they would have had to, have, so the English side would have had to have had the dub done uh, probably like a year or so after that. Whereas Evangelion came out in 1995, but I don't think they were starting to dub it until probably around this time. So right. from what and, I can tell. Yeah, and they the made same. a lot of changes back and forth to the Evangelion dub as they were releasing it too. That's why you have like the standard dub and then the like premium edition or something like that. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, it is a product of its time, but I think it's enjoyable. Do I think that they could get away with it in this day and age? No, it'd be labeled another ghost stories, which that is a different discussion for another time. 
Well, I was going to ask about that because, like, I the the show, like the modern show that came to mind when I was listening to this dub was actually uh, Chio School Road, uh, which both of you have seen, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no. No. Oh, okay. Well, uh, add that to Abman's two watch list because yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Every goddamn episode. <laughs> yay! And fucking talk to you people. <laughs> that's all. We, that's all we keep you around for is just to add to your two watch list. I have box sets to listen to, sir. You can do both. You no, can listen I... <laughs> to one thing and watch another thing. But continue. Well, no, I was going to ask, so what, what do you think, Amon? How do I put this? Let's, I have a, uh, so for, I, th- I think I appreciate about talking about this now. As I feel like we're at the point where dubs from the 90s and kind of that early ADV style where, you know, ADV, I think, I think maybe maybe not so much at the time, but, compar- you know, you go a few years down the road, I think uh, you see a difference between them and say how Funimation directs it, where I feel like ADV was always a little more wild and loose. You always could tell that they were a little less corporate, like even in their early days, if for, for lack of a better word. Uh, and I think that in, we're not at the point where I think that can be seen as sort of charming and retro rather than dated. And I think you, this, this, I think is a kind of a good example of that. Uh, it's also kind of a fun, it's a fun throwback to when like Japanese companies did not care nearly as much about how their stuff was being adapted <laughs> abroad. And oh no, they did and, like, I don't, and I don't, you know, compared to some things, I don't think this goes too far away from what the original source material is probably doing, but there's, de- there's definitely a looseness that I, you know, if for Say Discotech, this never got dubbed originally, Discotech or somebody picks this up and it's like short and high profile enough that it's like, okay, we can spend money on a dub and that won't be a money losing proposition. I don't think it would quite be like this for, you know, just in, like, it would not have this particular script. I don't uh, know would, what you, mm-hmm. like, I, I, like what, what kind of modern, or I'm not, sorry, what kind of like older OVA that hasn't already been dubbed yet would need this kind of style to it? I'm, I mean, I suspect, like, other, like, sort of, like, goofy straight-to-video shit, probably? Like, right. Like, I mean, that's, that, the other thing that stands out by this is just watching it, it's like, yeah, this did not have to deal with TV censors. <laughs> oh, God, no. Which, yeah. Um, that's, it's always fun, that's like, oh, yeah, OVA was, like, that used to mean something. <laughs> that, that, that had a very specific definition for what that was supposed to indicate. Um, but, like, I, I... I, like, I, this dub is very kind of, like, loose and kind of ramshackle in certain ways. Uh, there are lots of parts of this that I would not necessarily describe as, like, you know, quote-unquote good, like, directing and acting for, you know, something maybe a little more serious. But I also think that doesn't matter because Golden Boy is such a, like, stupid, goofy lark on purpose anyways that it's like, yeah. no, this is, this is the dub I want for this kind of show. I like that it's a little... I like that it's a little, you can kind of see all the rough edges and, you know, I wouldn't call it like a really professional fan dub. I, I think they're taking it more serious than that. They are more professional than that. But it, it like the early ADV dubs, I feel like you can always tell it's like, no, this is a bunch of nerds who had, who were who able to get like an actual company together and dub stuff. And I, I always feel like that's, that's kind of the hallmark of like ADV dubs in my mind is like, you can really tell like this was a, these were a bunch of dorks who got lucky. <laughs> I mean that in a very, I mean that in a very like sincere, loving way. But that's yeah. that's 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 very much how like the older I get, and the more I like see of old ADV stuff. It's like very much like yeah, yeah. See, I 
I've heard people make the argument that uh, dubs should be as close to the original as possible. Maybe not in like the way the characters sound, but more like uh, the line should be about the same, the tone should stay consistent. And for something like this that they definitely had more fun with in the dub, my mentality is, well, if you don't like this uh, goofier, uh, almost uh, not almost riff tracksy kind of uh, take on the material, you can just switch over to the Japanese. Like it's right there on the disc or in the home or in the streaming service. Hmm. Yeah, but what you're going to have then is a lot of jokes that don't really uh, that are lost in translation because they're so Japanese. Yeah, I, were, were they really? I don't know. I didn't watch Golden Boy in Japanese because I'm stupid and I don't like to read. <laughs> well, I that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I have the home video release, so I actually watched the dub while uh, playing the subtitles uh, for the Japanese at the same time. And there's a lot of euphemisms that were added to the uh, to the English. Um, it doesn't really change the meaning or the context for any of the line changes, but they do uh, pepper it up with uh, English colloquialisms that make it funnier if you're okay with that kind of comedy. I, 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 I'm I general the rule of, like, you know, I, I like dubs to be relatively accurate, but it tends to be, like, are you making a really silly comedy? I'm not going to get too upset if you, like, punch up appropriately, because it's already a silly comedy. It's yeah. like if you're watching something like Dime a Dollar. If, as long as, you, mm. as yeah. long as you can make people laugh, I don't really care if it's true to the source material. If it's something that's serious... And uh, and dramatic, then yeah, I want as close of an accurate translation as possible. But I I also know that comedy is very subjective, and that what the Japanese are going to find funny, we are not necessarily even going to understand. So, you know, the the goal is to make someone laugh. If you can make me laugh, that's fine. There wasn't too much of that, uh, as far as I can tell, in the sub. Um, I, I don't really think there's any jokes in the original that wouldn't translate well. Um, I think like, it's mainly so, because it's just everything's about it's all like <laughs> one note. It's all about, you know, being horny and stuff. And that that's universal. Everyone mm-hmm. across the world from Antarctica to India, from Greenland to Greece, everyone can embrace the horniness. That except is except everyone. North Dakota. I, I Ouch. I, I we don't talk about North Dakota. I literally read something today that agrees with you. Um, as 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 noted by none other than Roger Ebert himself, because as you may not know, Roger Ebert was a lifelong fan of a director named Russ Mayer, who uh, Russ Mayer liked two things in life: making uh, kind of weird, uh, sort of satirical movies about uh, America and ladies with big breasts. Okay, just very yeah. much in love with that. And he 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 and Roger Ebert were like good friends. And Roger Ebert actually wrote like maybe his most famous movie. But anyways, uh, he once said it's like sex is a great vehicle for stuff like satire because like everyone gets that. It's a basic human go. need. It's a really good vehicle for that kind of stuff. Vehicle. <laughs> vroom vroom. <laughs> If, if there is one, uh, like, if there's, like, one core Japanese thing that is probably lost on us Westerners, uh, and this isn't a, a fault of the dub, it's just the setting, um, uh, you guys are familiar with, like, how um, harsh and critical Japanese schooling can be, and especially more in the 90s, right? Right. Probably, yeah. Yeah, it had, it had a reputation for being kind of militant. Um so to have a story about a character who wants to learn 
but in an unconventional kind of way, as kind of bucking the system a little bit. Like, that's, suppo that's supposed to be more um, subversive, um, and that's something that we don't get here, but I think we can all still relate to the guy who wants to live life to the fullest and not be, uh, you know, nailed down to a corporate job, doesn't want to be a salary man. Hmm. And the, the last thing I wanted to mention on the dub is that, and this is, again, something that you probably don't pick up on if you didn't watch the Japanese, was they fill almost every silent part with a kind of a gag of some kind. I want to pick up my favorite one here. In episode two, where Kentaro's head is twisted around backwards, and he's walking, <laughs> he's looking backwards, he makes an amazing little comment in the dub, and he says, I really do have a cute butt. Yeah, so it sounds like anyone who's going into this dub needs to know what kind of context they're going into. It's not going to be like a modern dub. It's it's going to be a little gaggy, and it's going to be filled with all your favorite not great dub voices, but it's a good time capsule for the time period. And very, and I, very, very unquestionably, unapologetically horny. Yes, this... This is the kind of thing where, like, it's not necessarily technically good, but boy, does it have a lot of personality. That's a good word to spark, but you know who else has a lot of personality? The very first woman that we run across. Because in every episode, we meet a different main girl, and we're going to talk about them one by one and use that to describe each of the episodes we go through. We're going to start the very first episode, the premiere episode, which is called Computer Software, and... Well, uh, let's just say that the the software isn't the only thing that's soft. So are the big breasts of Madam President. hey -oh. Look at that character design, people. That, I don't even know if we can show this on screen. Like, is there an image of her that doesn't have the nipples showing through the very thin red outfit at all? I guess there's that brief bit towards the end of the episode where she's wearing, like, an actual business suit. There you go. That's all we can show you. But for the rest of the episodes, it's wobble, wobble, wobble strap breath over there 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 are absolutely people on the internet who only know golden boy <laughs> images like you know you know nine you know tweets about like anime 90s anime 90s ladies just hit different and it's just like you know four ladies from golden boy one of whom is going to be madam president because the that body. I'm sure there are people who think she's the main character, because <laughs> I sure as shit see people talk about her way more than Kentaro. That they do. So, that, so, so tell us about Madam President. So the, uh, no. the great thing about Madam President, um, not only is she the president of a computer software uh, company that Kentaro uh, starts working at, uh, but she also has a legendary English voice actress, and that could be none other than the one and only Tiffany Grant. Now, Hardy... You mm -hmm. mentioned um, uh, Gunsmith Cats earlier. Right. Is Tiffany Grant in the Gunsmith Cats OVA? That she is. She is uh, sort of the unofficial third Gunsmith Cat. Um, okay. She is Becky Farah. Yes, she is. Um, She's the informant. Uh, also, what other... What You know what else Tiffany Grant has played? She plays every animal in every uh, dub that Sentai has done. Like, if you watch um, Flip Flappers... Or a Kaleidostar, or anything that's got an animal in it, she is going to voice that animal in it. Like, I, I, I'm sure that's what you were getting at, right? Well, no, I seem to remember oh, a certain feisty redhead. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, the. Uh, it was, yeah, yes, Yoko in the original Gurren Lagan dub from ADV. Right. <laughs> ADV had first hand on that. Matt Greenfield was the ADR director on that. 
And if you can get a copy of that original ADV dub, hold on to that because it's a precious, precious commodity now. You'll probably have to steal it out of Mike Tool's vault. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> He's got it under under glass. But, but let, let's not kid ourselves here. Uh, Amon, tell us who the basic people in the audience are going to know Tiffany Grant from, first and foremost. Uh, she's Asuka in Evangelion. Yeah, speaking of 90s anime, she was the original uh, Fraulein in uh, uh, the original ADV dub of Evangelion. It's weird that I have to say the uh, original dub because there's like 10 different dubs now. Original and most recent, too. That's Thanks to Amazon Prime. It's so confusing, but yes. Thanks to Amazon. Mm. Thanks to the... Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, which one? It was the uh, the movies that they redubbed, right? The rebuild movies, the re-build yeah. Movie. I swear, they could do... Matt McMuscles could do a What Happened episode on Evangelion alone. And it'd have to be a two-parter, because it would have to involve the Japanese development and the English licensing. That, uh, to, to be continued. But bringing it back to yes. this particular episode, so Tiffany's portrayal of Madam President is uh, the first indication we get about what the women in the show are going to be like, and she has to balance the uh, the res- some some idiot unplugged her router and lost all of their work. So Amon, how does she balance those two sides of her? Hmm. You're just thinking about wobble wobble wobble, aren't you? I'm trying to think of how to. <laughs> Tiffany Grant understood the assignment. This lady is preposterously hot. <laughs> and and one and while dealing with Kintaro, she has three modes. Mild contempt. Uh not 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 attra- well she has attraction later, but sort of uh, her her standard bearing which uh just you know she she cannot help but be smoldering because look at her. <laughs> and blind rage and fury. <laughs> All of which I think Tiffany do a very good job on. She sells this woman as both, like, the hottest woman who has ever existed and someone who, like, cannot fucking believe this asshole just ruined her company. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. And, and I, like that she, I like that Tiffany gets to play all those parts there. Some of the characters we're going to talk about kind of default to one personality trait throughout the show. But this particular character has a lot more, a lot more layers. I think a lot more flavors we get to see. Yeah, she, she, like, I feel like she's. I feel like she's also the female lead who gets to interact the most with Kintaro. Out of all the kit, really? Uh, I mean, it, with like, uh, how do I put this? Well, yeah, I feel like she gets to have more range in it. Like, I feel like a lot of the other times there's more interaction, but it tends to be a little more like one-sided or something you know like uh you watch like nori code episode three has a very consistent personality throughout mm-hmm. uh it doesn't have as much like, interaction with kentaro because she's spending all her time with that douchebag yeah or like or like you know chi in the last episode like they're they're a little more they tend to have a, like they're more of like a consistent person throughout this while i feel like madame president gets to be a little more dynamic okay this is how i see it is there's six main girls in the show and between the six of them there are three main personality traits, and they all start one after the other. Bitchy, horny, sweet. Yeah, you're not wrong. And, uh, that I'm, sounds I'm, right, yeah. I'm going to assume that you uh, you categorize Madam President in the bitchy archetype? I do, yes. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, because the first thing she does is after, after almost <laughs> running him over with her yellow Lamborghini Diablo, uh, uh, she bribes him. <laughs> Pays him off. Pays him off. And 
that's the that's basically the end of that until he actually finds out that she's the boss of the company he's been hired for. So speaking of which, I, yeah. I, I want to compliment the dub people on one thing. Um, that scene where she she just hands Kentaro a stack of money to, you know, like say, all right, go away. Uh, he co- he shouts out, this is $10,000. Interesting is that it's actually a million yen in the original Japanese, but which basically is converted to round so or so $10,000. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I, I get, I got a compliment because not all dubs from this time period actually bothered with the whole conversion thing. If they said 1 million yen in the Japanese, they may say $1 million in the dub, but this show actually converts do- yen to dollars and centimeters to inches in other scenes where we're measuring the women. So I do have to mm. commend them for that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree with these two as well. Um, I-, I guess the only other thing I wanted to mention is, and I'm going to do this for each of the segments, is talk about each of these episodes had an indiv- has a unique director. They had an episode director. Uh, this episode the very first episode was directed by the overall series director and hardy you've definitely seen his work before because he was the director on the blood the last vampire movie i know you got positive thoughts about that just beating hardy over the head with a paper bat I didn't hate it. It's just got its issues. That it does. But I would like to watch it again, but thanks to Aniplex, that's not going to happen anytime <laughs> soon. Well, you know what you can watch? The same director also directed the best part of the Robot Carnival movie. He directed the uh, the Tale of the Two Robots, the one with the Meiji-era mechas. I don't even remember that. You don't remember you have to, that? You have, you, I was... I was blitz drunk when I watched Robot Carnival. It made it oh both better God. and worse. Oh, you got to <laughs> I mean, yes, that does sound entertaining, but you got to see it. It's Meiji era, you know, like people... I'll have, to, I'll have to re-watch Robot Carnival again uh, for sure. Just, just for, yeah, just for the hell of it, watch Robot Carnival again. Mm-hmm. But yes, that's, uh, so that's Madam President. That's our first episode. And if you can get through that first episode with all the tits bouncing everywhere... And um, Kentaro wanting to be spit on, and the toilet scene. Uh, oh God! Yeah, which toilet scene? You're going. <laughs> there's, hey, you can, there's one in every episode. You will know you, very soon whether this is or isn't for you. Can you imagine some poor sap who hasn't watched an anime that's maybe more than like five years old, just stumbling <laughs> upon this on Crunchyroll and just deciding to throw it on? Oh, or, or worse, someone going on to, like, the uh, Anime News Network basic forums and saying, Hey, I'm a complete newbie to anime. I've only watched My Hero Academia, but I'm looking for something to expand my horizons. What do you recommend? Oh, you, you watch a show about a guy who writes lots of notes and wants to learn a lot? Well, have I got a recommendation for you. Oh, boy. Yeah. Don't don't do yeah. that. Don't, don't, for the record, don't do that, people. Don't troll the newbies yeah. with this. Ease them into and some... uh, and and while we're at it, the uh, the BNP joke is out of date, and you could possibly get someone arrested. Don't do it anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the show makes no bones about being a role model for people. We're just enjoying it precariously, mm-hmm. just like we are enjoying bribing people to get elected for office. And with that segue, let's move on to the second episode. 
So, we move from computer software to working for a Japanese campaign for a mayor, who's trying to get elected again, by bribing the individuals, getting the Yakuza on his side, taking people to titty bars if they get elected. Just all the good, wholesome Japanese political things that you can do. Jap, gentle men's club, gentle men's club. <laughs> ah, references never die. But, uh... We're not going to talk about that politician. We're going to instead talk about his daughter, Naoko Katsuda, who is the prime character of the second episode. And she, you see her at first and you think like, okay, she's a basic uh, rich girl, but she is twisted. She basically flaunts her sexuality, dressing half naked and getting Kentaro to teach her for like legitimately for school while constantly being in various stages of undress to try to get him in trouble because she gets off on that stuff. I think that she actually, she, she's probably in that category you're talking about, Hardy, of horny as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. You're not wrong. She definitely fits in that circle. But who could possibly voice a character like Naoko? Well, the one and only Allison Keith. Now, Allison is another name that you've heard of before if you've been listening to ADV and Sentai Doves for quite a while. Um, maybe one of the more, uh, things that, uh, one of the franchises you probably heard her in is if you've watched the Full Metal Panic series, she plays the character of Melissa Mao in that series. Uh, if you want something a little more on the obscure side, well, we could, uh, go down the list and look at, um, what was that show called? Um, oh yes, Rune Soldier. Nobody remembers that? Yeah, she was the hot ninja girl. She was, the hot thief. Yes, she was the, that one. I'm trying to go for like the, the mix of old and new stuff here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, newer stuff, you probably recognize her as the hot grandma in Suritama. I didn't see Suritama yet, but I'm going to take your yeah, word it's, for it. Yeah, unfortunately, it got claimed by the Antiplex jail, but yeah, yeah she had me sweating to the oldies. <laughs> <sighs> but uh, I, I was also going to just mention, lastly, is that uh, she was also in Evangelion, because we're going to reference uh, that show as much as possible in this episode. Uh, she was the character of Misato in that show, which I think all of you know that character because, um, well, I, it made everybody want to join the military, basically. You saw Misato running things like a badass and didn't want to sign up for Nerve, then you just weren't watching the same show. She was the third member of the hot purple-haired female trio. Right up there with Faye Valentine and Motoko Kusanagi. Ah, the 90s was a good time. Mm -hmm. uh so i'm gonna just start off by saying that um her performance in this is just as dynamic as madam president because she's also got to have a bit of a split personality because she goes from being nice sounding when she's got like her public voice but then she switches to a very sinister side when she's flaunting her sexuality and all that's in her head too she's like monologuing to herself so allison doesn't have to match lip flaps she just gets to cut loose and talk about you you pervert i can see that you've got a heart on for me i'm sure you just want to pet these ripe apples don't you and it gets really sexual and men are such perverts you know we really are we're not, we're not denying it we're, we're not you know we're not above that but because of that she definitely gets to have a lot of fun and it doesn't really deviate too much from the Japanese either. Like, the, the actual lines uh, are maybe a little more suggestive than the original, but not by much. And she's definitely going 110% for this character who's 
yeah, yeah, flaunting what she got because she knows that since she's a politician's daughter, none of the guys can touch her. They can't do anything without being killed, essentially. And for that, uh, I, I gotta be honest, that was entertaining to watch. I think another thing that makes her character so dangerous is unlike most of the other girls in this show, uh, she actually is jailbait, technically, because mm-hmm. uh, she's a high schooler. And so she knows that if Kentaro does uh, does actually touch her, then he could actually like legitimately go go to jail if the Yakuza don't kill him first. Yeah. So she kind of uses that to her advantage and uh, sort of just use use him as her own personal plaything. Um, but thankfully, Kentaro is the bigger man. Uh, <laughs> bigger uh in the end oh. and um, yeah yeah Kitaro is the bigger man in the end and um he figures out his way I- unlike the other episodes he doesn't really sort of impress her with his knowledge or anything he just sort of mans up and takes responsibility and it sort of makes an impression upon her as she he's she's watching him get beat up and like i I thought I wanted this, but now that I see it, I really don't. Mm-hmm. And so um, you can sort of see the um, the shift in 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 perspective from Allison's performance uh, as her as her temperament changes, and uh, she's like, "No, stop! You're you're gonna kill him," you know. Okay. And then at the very end, she actually realizes she does like Kintaro and. Really she, likes uh, Kintaro. <laughs> she wants. Uh, she tells him that she wants him to be her first. She'll and, wait for uh, him. Yeah. With, again, that and leaves him with a nice little parting gift too. So that's nice. Nice little, uh, little. Uh, uh, it's a smell good. I'll call it. <laughs> Sixteen candles ruined teen comedies forever. <sighs> for, for, again, we want to put the disclaimer out there. Yeah, we, we don't condone of the uh, the dating the underage people or anything like that. Yeah. But yes, Amon, what do you think? I, I realize Allison's legacy is probably going to be very centered around Masato for obvious reasons that I don't need to explain here. <laughs> um, but that rant she gives about how men are disgusting. <laughs> well, what... I, I, which I like because you can tell that on the one hand, like... Allison does a very good job of making that feel sincere, but also being like, Naoko is really horny as well. <laughs> like, I feel like the appeal for her is like, I like antagonizing these men, and if one of them does break down and fuck me, I got laid. <laughs> Not upset about that. You know, one of the best part about that, Abman, uh, that uh, that kind of dime flip between this is the list of things you want to do to me, and then a condescending, what a typical man. That wasn't in the original Japanese. I'm not. I'm not that surprised, just because that feel that feels like a very American like uh, comedy punchline. Yeah, especially for the '90s, it, it definitely was. It was a very self-aware uh, comedy uh, way of looking at it. Yeah, definitely. Which I like, because that that bit at the end, or that that I mean, that makes the speech as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's what, that's what moves it from good to great. It really does, and yeah, I like that. Um, even though she doesn't, like, suffer any consequences throughout the series, the fact that we get, like, a, a heartwarming resolution to her storyline where she decides to stop being a tease to everyone 
is it's like okay that this is the best we're gonna get for this character and she gets this... to become a professional va at the end too yeah yes she does Everything works out for the best in Golden Boy World. You know who doesn't get to be a professional VA, though? In that same episode, episode two, the lady who is the house cleaner and is giving Kentaro the box of liquor. <laughs> I can't even mimic it. it, it it's like, it, What accent? Well, <laughs> what is that? The most obvious man voicing of what, like, Hey, give this liquor to the people! And they're gonna get it there quickly! We gotta look so good! Team Girl Squad! <laughs> you know, Noah, I off the record, you know what you just sounded like? Is that one character from Centaur World mixed with Chomp Chomp Bacon? <laughs> okay, in the Japanese, it, it is obviously a man voicing a woman, but it's not screechy like that it's it's kind of like the background character in lucky star that's you know it's a woman but it's an obvious male voice but it's not that screechy so they they took a a small gag in the japanese and just cranked it up to a hundred kind of reminds me of that one time that uh that john swayze played the grandma in a one-off ova called the samurai i haven't seen that but those words that you just put together into a sentence make me want to hunt it down now it's very rare. It's like a, uh, a it's like a, a wannabe Ranma one half, but it's like okay. only thirty minutes. But it's one John of Dave Matranga's first roles, I believe. Oh, oh wow, that is old then. Yeah. But just like this dub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of episode two, uh, which was voiced, uh, which was directed and uh, um, original animation direction by Yasuhito Kichikuchi, and that is a guy who. Uh, going into the future, uh, he's been around for quite a while, actually. Um, as far as series direction, he did stuff like, uh, Legend of Black Heaven, but he's still doing series direction now, all the way into, uh, the time I got reincarnated as a slime. So, you're probably still watching his work, even into the DigiPaint era. Ooh, nice. So, moving on to the episode three. So, okay, you've watched the first two episodes, you know what to expect. Uh, let, let's get a more heartwarming episode. Let's get a story about... Udon noodles. Let's get uh, a guy learning to cook noodles for a struggling family, the hot daughter, and the sleazeball business guy who wants to take over their... Who wants to take over the building and muscle them out. Let's move on to the noodle shop episode. And, starring our main girl, the noodle shop daughter, uh, Noriko. Now, Noriko is just a very nice high school girl. She, Unlike the previous two, she's not bitchy. She's not horny. She's nice. She is just a very nice girl. Too nice, in fact, because there's this guy who says he wants to marry her, but it's all just a ploy. Hey there, listeners. It's your friendly neighborhood editor, Amon, here. Unfortunately, Noah's audacity ate part of his recording, and by the time we found this out, it was a little too late for him to do a re-recording of the section, but to catch you up to speed... Noriko's a nice lady, she has a dirtbag boyfriend who is trying to take over the building her family's noodle shop is in, and Kentaro, upon learning this, tries to help dissuade her from, uh, you know, wants to protect her a little bit, because he's a stand-up guy, despite everything. And she is played by Kim Sevier, and Noah is going to talk a little more about Kim now. Before, and looking over her list of credits, uh, it's not a whole lot uh, compared to the other two that we talked about, but still uh, quite a few things that still stand out 
One of them being she was in the Dirty Pair Flash OVA. She played the character of Yuri in that OVA. Which is a lead. That is a lead. And again, mm-hmm. that's kind of surprised me why it surprised me that she doesn't have more on here. Um, I think the most recent thing on here is the um, would that be is the Fire Emblem OVA. Uh, she plays the character of Sheeta in that. I don't know anything about Fire Emblem, but oh, that's I, not recent. That OVA isn't recent at all. Oh no, oh no, okay. that goes back to the VHS the days. Is. Yeah, Fire Emblem's been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I I'm a noob in the video game era. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Let me rectify that with one more uh, role that Kim has done. And yes, we're going to tie it back to Evangelion again. She plays uh, the mom, Yui Ikari, in that show. Not a whole lot of lines, but very important to the overall show. Mm-hmm. Happy Mother's Day. She's the robot. Sorry, you can edit that part out. No, that's okay. I, I, I feel like Evangelion is, is outside the spoiler zone at this point. Yeah. yeah, I was debating, like, do, do we want to... If, if, no, no, it's a 25-plus-year show at if, this point. If it can drink in America, it's too old to be spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> it's not our fault if they haven't seen it. And as we've established, there are countless ways to watch the, the franchise now. It, so It has been on no the, most, the most mainstream streaming service in the world for, like, two or three straight years at this point. You have no one to blame but you. I We can you finally, go. you know, I can finally make my joke... That got bleeped out of the the heavy object heavy object episode about Kaoru getting his head blown off. So, ah, uh, no, no, we we want to highlight that. Yes, screw that guy. <laughs> but uh, don't don't screw uh, this character. Don't screw Noriko. Uh, so, what do you think, Hardy? About uh, we we switched to a nicer, more pure character in episode three. Honestly, up until this point, we've kind of had a very similar architect with the female actresses in that um, they tend to start out very taciturn Mm -hmm. and uh, stoic and just, you know, matter of fact. But then as soon as Kintaro does something stupid, then they wig out and get sort of hyperactive and and screaming and stuff. Um, Noriko doesn't do that. She's sweet from the get-go. Um, and with Kim's performance, I honestly say, I think among the six girls, hers is one of the better ones. She's more genuine. Uh, she is, um, just more upbeat and kind and sweet. And I'm kind of surprised that Kim didn't get more roles in the future because I think of the six Bane, uh, I think her performance was one of the more, more solid I mean, no, uh, none in the anime voicing sphere. Um, that's the downside of using ANN for credit searching. Is like there could, she could have more um, television work, theater work. That's just not documented where I'm looking. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, I, no, I feel yeah. I feel like whenever we see like Texas actors who didn't do a lot of anime dubbing, that I feel like we're usually looking at like theater actors who did some voice work on the side. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's even a good resource for trying to keep track of people doing stuff on like Broadway, much like much less like regional theater in yeah, Texas. Yeah, yeah, not unless you're. It's yeah. a shame. Unlo- yeah, unless you're a, a Bette Midler or, uh, I mean, again, that's national, local theater. I wouldn't yeah. even know. Although, I mean, I'm not surprised that uh, some people kind of choose to stay in that theater background. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe, of all people, kind of talked about the the thrill, the serotonin rush you get of doing a performance every night. 
And that's what draws a lot of people to that, more so than doing television or voice acting work. Hmm. And I'm actually going to have to uh, disagree with you a tiny bit, Hardy, uh, about uh, Kim's performance okay. being uh, on the better side. Because I do agree that she's very good when she's supposed to be exuberant. And she's definitely, uh, she's like, she's as nice as she is hardworking. So in all those scenes, it's very good. The problem is when she gets into the more um, vulnerable scenes, um, when she gets, uh, it's like she gets very timid in intimate situations like the uh, racetrack uh, scene. And, mm -hmm. and then she has to get very sad and cry uh, when she finds out that her boyfriend has been trying to con her. And I don't know, the, the overall crying scenes just aren't as believable to me. It's like, uh, it, it has to be a very sincere kind of uh, emotional breakdown. And just the way that Kim was directed, it's less believable to me than her more upbeat moments. Okay. Uh, what do you think, Amon? Hmm. I feel. I mean, I feel like Kim. Kim does a good job, and I think is mostly mostly just suffers from the fact that uh, Noriko's a nice girl. Uh, but consequently, I think she she is not unrememberable, but compared to the more stronger personality characters in like the two episodes before this and the two episodes after this. Mm -hmm. uh, like this is this is like the mo this is the episode that most feels like something that could you could get away with on like at regular television. She's like she that. doesn't have the sort of va va voom personality that Exa the previous two. Exactly. She's much more of like a sweetheart and I think Kim Kim I think plays her very well, but I think but just by dint of what the character is, she has less opportunity to show off than Tiffany or Allison or the actresses we're gonna talk about during the next couple segments. Uh, who I all think kinda get opportunities to be much bigger. And I think Kim Kim feels much more like a normal person, not an anime character. <laughs> or that's what she that's what she feels like she's playing. Like Noriko feels way more like she feels like she like you know she she stepped out on one of those kind of like you know a you know a night a nice quiet family drama about a struggling noodle shop. Yeah, more grounded in reality, I guess. Yeah, it's Which, go ahead. No, it's, like I think she does a good job with it. I think I just like the demands of the character means she does not get to be showy in a way that some of the other actresses do. Yes, but that's I mean again that's good for the scenes where she has to be um, you know happy and like a good daughter to her family it's just it, i think it suffers a little bit when she has to be uh on the more emotional side of things but it doesn't surprise me at all that uh this episode was written to have a you know a nicer uh female character that's uh, i think a more realistic a little more like your average uh japanese high school girl considering who the actual director of this episode was um, it was directed by a man named Hiroyuki, Min, um, Hiroyuki Mirita, and I think nobody listening to this is going to know that name right away, but you've definitely seen a movie he's done before, because a couple years later, he started working for Studio Ghibli and directed The Cat Returns. Oh, nice. Hmm. Speaking of another uh, fr uh, story with a nice high school girl who gets sucked into... Uh, unwanted engagement like this episode. Ha ha! 
So that's, uh, yeah, so, but I do agree. I do like that uh, they wrote episodes to diversify the the female leads that Kentaro gets to uh, interact with. And it shows that he's, like, he doesn't perv on her like any of the other characters because she's not, like, sexually available. So he's a little more reserved with his interactions with her. And I think it's the only episode that doesn't have a toilet scene in it. I gotta go back and rewatch that. I'm not... Not I, particularly certain. I think there might have been one snuck in there somewhere. Possibly. I I don't know. I, I know that they have that interaction about flowers in her room, but he doesn't, you know, it's, it's, it's more chaste than any of the other episodes that we've talked about or are going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, I've had my fill of Udon. Uh, you guys ready to move on? Uh, although I should warn you, uh, you really shouldn't swim 30 minutes after eating. Ah, screw it. Let's jump in the pool. Let's move on to episode four. Um, I know this is some people's favorite episode. It's the pool episode. This is the swimming episode. And what do the Japanese animators love more than uh, hot women on the beach? Speedos! episode. And lots of sexy swimsuits. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, the swimming episode, which is starring a gold medal olympist who is leading a swimming class at uh, basically a, a like a ymca style community pool who you know kentaro just can't help himself he sees hot women whose nipples he can see straight through the outfit and he's got to get a job as an instructor there despite the fact that he sucks at swimming at first he does challenge her to a race later on in the episode which leads to a scene that i had to send the children out of the room for because they're like Hey, Dad, I have a question. I was like, guys, out, out, out. Not, no, guys, in a minute, in a minute. I, I Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Don't to look quote, at this, this, this. No, don't look. To quote my good friend Beavis. <laughs> <laughs> that particular swim instructor is a lady named uh, Ayuko Hayami. Now, Ayuko has a very interesting design to her, which means you're going to need a very interesting voice actress. And for this one, we got another actress who hasn't had as much credited uh, voiceover work. In fact, most of her work seems to be from around the same time period of the late 90s, early 2000s. And that is uh, Sue Ulu. I think I'm pronouncing it right. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it, but I believe it's pronounced Ulu. And uh, she also, uh, like Kim, doesn't have as many credits to her name. But uh, if you saw uh, Sol Bianca, she played Janny in that. Uh, if you saw the Dirty Pair Flash OVA, we're going to bring it back around to that. She played the character of Kai in that episode. In, in the OVA, not the, the, the entire was it, franchise. Was it K? Oh, I, I mispronounced it. Yes, it's K. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. She, yes. that, which is another lead. Is the other lead, yes. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, just a break topic here. Did, I, did either of you guys uh, support the uh, Dirty Pair Kickstarter that was I've got the oh, whole yeah. series. Mm. Because I've never owned it in any iteration, so now I can have the entire thing on Blu-ray. Let's see, I, I was tempted to do that, so you're a better man than I. Both yeah. of you are. I don't know which lamp I'm going to get. They're going to send it to me on random. I'm hoping for Kate. So. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. If, if you're watching this, uh, Animego, you know what to send this guy. But of course, uh, the thing that uh, you probably know Sue for more than anything is, and this is going to surprise everyone, another Evangelion role. We were talking, <gasps> Gas, we talked, clutch the pearls. Yes, clutch the, and more specifically, 
clutch the three-brained robot that controls the entire organization because she voices Ritsko in that show. I don't know if Ritsko is like very many people's favorites when there's so many other uh, females to compare her to, but I think she deserves a little more credit than she gets in the in the fan sphere. I think she, I think she has a following for everybody who would be into Misato, but find her like her being a hot mess off-putting instead of appealing. It, it, between the two of them, it's whether you if whether you prefer beer or prefer cigarettes. Mm. Yeah, there we. That's that. I mean, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. There we go. Or you got those like me who don't prefer either of those, and I don't know. I guess I go with the Yui camp. <laughs> you like you like you like him you like him uh, twenty stories tall and robotic. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> ah, but uh, but someone who is not twenty stories and robotic is uh, Ayako in the swimming episode. So. Uh, Sue's performance here is, uh, I'm gonna start it off by saying I think it's sultrier than any of the other characters, and it's not like she's trying to be sexual, like, she, like, she's confident is her thing, and that confidence eludes sexiness a lot of the time, so because of that, Sue's performance is very didactic, like, she, uh, all of her syllables are, like, very on the beat, you can almost you can almost sing to it, and that kind of works to let us know that she's not like easy to get to. It's like there's an allure there that you have to break through. You have to break through her layers of not attracted to your lazy ass, which makes it all the more interesting when she finally does start warming up to Kentaro. I would have to say that in the vast majority of things this was probably one of the weaker performances um, because it does come across as very much reading from the script, if I had to say that. Um, it's kind of one of the issues that I had with if the original Dirty Pair OVAs and movies is I know she didn't play that version of Kay, but Kay's actress was very much, you know, what are you doing sort of thing, you know? It didn't have all that much life to it. Um, it has her bright spots, especially when she gets bad at Kentaro over drinking her crotch water. Um, <laughs> ah. Yeah. Uh, but, There's um, a line there. Yeah. But, um, no, as far as my personal feelings are, it's probably one of the weaker performances for me. That having been said, she is obviously the objectively hottest girl in the show. Don't at me, Hardy. No, I, I I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm not taking. While. I'm not taking requests at this time. I, I, I was just going to say, did, does this have something to do with uh, the fact that she's a little darker skin than the other characters? Of course, that's one hundred percent. Why? That's <laughs> okay. All right. I, I, what did like, you expect well, from me? I, I was just checking. Like, maybe you have a thing for swimmers. Maybe you have a thing for. Women who wear eyeshadow in the water. But I mean, nope, nope. she's she's ripped. She's dark skinned. She's got short hair. I mean, that's the checklist for me. They <laughs> <laughs> just I'm went like, to I, his brain and picked out the best parts. I love a woman who can bench press me. Yeah, I, 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 it is it is funny that while Madame President is the character who actually steps on Kentaro, uh, Ayuko absolutely has the stronger step on you energy 
about her. Oh, that scene! That that scene where he's fantasizing about her being a dominatrix. Mm-hmm. Breasts out oh. and everything. Ah, uh, straight to video. Boobies. <laughs> yes. 80085. I love taking the space crew to boobies for a night of drinking. With the hot waitresses and the not-so-hot wings. Full disclaimer, I just finished watching Space Dandy. Anyways. Yeah, the... Uh, I'm, uh, Aman, do you think that uh, this was the uh, weakest of the female characters uh, in the show? I, I think Ayuko is deliberately written to be the most kind of, like cool and calm of the bunch and i i think that's i think that i think that makes it easier for sue i think it makes it a little easier for some of sue's performance to come across a little flat as a consequence like mm-hmm. i think i think it, i think it really shines like in the parts where she is like actively furious at kentaro mm-hmm. um uh and i think like there, there's a little bit of range in there but i think it's partially just the char- the character requires a certain kind of it's clo- It's not flat affect, but it's close enough that I think it can kind of dip into there. Plus, like, uh, I enjoy this show too much to think about things in terms of weakest performance. I'm, having, I'm too busy having a nice time. Okay, that's um, fair. But I, I, I think I think the way her character is written, I think it's easier. Yeah, I think it's a little e- it's a little easier for Sue to slide into that because her her main her sort of neutral emotion is kind of you know cool boss who's better than you. That's rather true. than like, rather than like Randy schoolgirl, who wants to who wants to push your buttons. Yeah, for example. Which which you know, we'll get to. The the only thing that kind of stood out to me is that uh, because they're in a pool setting, the eighty the the engineers put a lot of echo effect on everyone's dialogue, um, but it stands out the most in scenes where uh, Ayuko and Kintaro are just like talking to each other, um, and it. It's, it's kind of like I don't know if uh, it's the best mixing I've heard before because it's it's almost to the point of distracting. Well, this is this is one of these shows where I'm curious to know if uh, they were able to uh, like adjust anything for the DVD release because I I'm sure I'm sure there's stuff that probably sounded fine on VHS that didn't necessarily make leak to DVD all that well. Mm-hmm. You know, but at that point, it's like, well, we have, like, the final mix, but we don't really have the masters anymore, so we can't adjust much of anything. Uh, or there's, like, no real money in it, frankly. Uh, Possibly. So, yeah, I, c- I could see that being kind of like a... Digital audio did not exist when we released this, so we were not concerned <laughs> about it sounding nice in that format. I mean, kind that, of a problem. It kind of reminds me of uh, what you were talking about before, about how the rough edges on a dub this old kind of give it its charm. Like, no, this would not pass for a current release. Anyone who bought this for Blu-ray money nowadays for a brand new production would not accept this, and this would be, you know, condemned for what it was. But as a product of a time period before we had digital recording techniques or before ADV wasn't recording next to an airport, yeah, it's kind of, it kind of gives it that charm to it, I guess. It was just kind of a little, yeah, it was just a little distracting on that end. Um, I think the the only other thing to really mention about this episode is that um, one thing I didn't mention before is that the individual episode directors were also the storyboard artists for all the episodes that we've talked about. All the episodes in this OVA series, actually. So if you were the, you were storyboarding it and directing it as well, so each one kind of has a personal stamp of whoever was the director on that episode, except for this episode, except for episode four, 
because the director and the storyboard artist were two different people. Um, both of them are uh, people who've done like episode direction on stuff before, from everything from Outlaw Star to Helsing to Excel Saga. Um, but it kind of stands out that this is the episode where uh, the di the camera dynamics and especially the swimming scenes and then the scenes with the children uh, shows like a wider range, I think, than the other episodes that we saw before it. So maybe that's one of the benefits of splitting up your responsibilities of direction and storyboarding to two instead of having it condensed to one. Hmm. But that has nothing to do with the dub performances. Uh, the dub performance uh, that we're actually going to talk about next is moving into episode 5, which I know for a fact is many people's favorite episode. Uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say, uh, Hardy, is episode 5 your favorite episode? Maybe not your favorite character, but favorite episode. Uh, I just enjoy Golden Boy as an experience. I don't try to make favorite episodes, but... um. I'm gonna twist yes. your arm. <laughs> I'm gonna twist that arm, and you're gonna, you're gonna tell us the truth. Probably, probably, yes. All things considered. And why is it a very good episode? Because of the complete, uh, complete lack. What is the word? The complete disrespect to physics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the reason. Study, 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 study! They flat out say, she says, does he think this is a cartoon? <sighs> Which, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> but, so this this episode is the motorcycle episode. This is uh, another one where we've got a horny character. Oh god, is she horny. That character is Reiko Terayama, who is the daughter of a, a very well-to-do family, like the kind of traditional Japanese family who wears yukata indoors, has servants who cater to all their whims, their house is very traditional, and so you'd think that she would be incredibly reserved and polite, which she is in home, but as soon as she gets away, goes to her private little shed, gets on her motorcycle, strips down and starts riding that thing, and... That is absolutely as horny as this show gets. Yeah. And, yeah. And and uh, as you can hear from the audience, uh, there are no complaints about that. None whatsoever. This is absolutely a section of the show who... you. There are some people who have this on tape, and that, that section's real worn out. <laughs> back and forth. Back and forth. Fast forward to 13 minutes and 25 seconds. Replay over and over again. It's just the, the time code's just written on the label in Sharpie. <laughs> you put it on YouTube and the mouse says, Most watched scene is this part of the episode. <laughs> it's interesting Absolutely. they started doing that. This, 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 is, this is very like... There's no internet yet, so you have R-rated movies. <laughs> and you just make note of what the good bits are. It's kind of wholesome in a way. Like nowadays, you can just Google boobs and find whatever you want. But back it, in the day, you need to you know hunt this stuff down. Just get lucky. It's it's, yeah. qu it's quaint, like old softcore porn mags. Yeah, what's uh, you know, back in the day, you know, you know what? Today, you kids just have to wait for their parents to leave their house. Back in the day, they had to wait for their parents to leave the country. <laughs> 
back when Americans were allowed to do that. But speaking of uh, out of country, uh, Reiko, uh, like we said, is uh, has got a very interesting dynamic to her, so we absolutely need to get an interesting voice in here. So we got Laura Chapman to do this voice. Uh, again, another voice that's done a lot of ADV stuff. Uh, seems to have kind of stopped in the time period when ADV switched over to Sentai Filmworks, but there's still uh, quite a handful of performances from that time period you may have heard of before. Uh, she's uh, very prominent in Bubblegum Crisis uh, Tokyo 2040 as Cilia Stingray. Uh, she is uh, all the way into the most recent thing I could find was uh, she was in the Deno Coil dub as Specs Granny, which, uh, my god, the old people in that show are almost as entertaining as the young people in how they interact with technology. But uh, maybe the thing that uh, you may have heard her from and this is a big maybe because it's kind of a niche show, but it's the thing I know her most from, is she was in the dub for Razafon, not Evangelion, Razafon. She plays the character of Maya Kamina in that show. And she and was I'm also so the she was also the hot mom in Godanner. Oh, she was. I, f I saw that credit here, but I, I had forgotten the names of the characters in that show because I didn't catch names. I saw, okay, what nationality are you from? And what's your fetish thing? What like what's your your gimmick? I couldn't name any of the character names from Go Donner, but I can sure as heck name their nationalities. <laughs> ah, that show was so weird. Yeah. Anyways, uh, but what's not weird is, actually, I take that back. What is very weird is uh, Reiko's fetish in this, which we're not fetish shaming or anything, not at all. It's just not something that I think many of us have seen before getting turned on by the rev of a BMO motorcycle and getting turned on by a guy who can outrace you is quite interesting. On a motorbike. Not on a uh, motorbike, but a, no, no, but a mountain a, bike. That, that, yeah, that's it. Not, not even that. On a... Uh, grabs, the fur, grabs the Porsche, whips himself onto the power lines, beats her, jumps off a ledge. We think he's going to make it. We think he's going to make that jump. And then he doesn't. And we think he's dead. I just and gotta say, that mountain bike has got some very strong uh, suspension on it. No kidding. But, uh, so how do you think uh, Laura did as Reiko? Because th this is actually the one I'm the most curious about hearing. Uh, Aman, what do you think? Hmm. Putting the thoughts together. She is so mean. <laughs> she is. She takes such delight in just hassling this guy. You moron. Of course I like my bike better than you. <laughs> or any man. Um I I, I find her very entertaining, partially because she she just I I don't they go for it. <laughs> this feels like the most shameless episode. Like I know Golden Boy yes. is already very shameless in general, that's part of its DNA. Mm -hmm. But that that this one feels it's like, no no, let's really go for it. <laughs> let's let's just make something that cannot be shown on television without like just Without a just chunk of it just not making any sense whatsoever. Bare-breasted, bare riding that motorcycle, getting, uh, wanting it, to be drilled by Kentaro. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like the Japanese censorship laws around depicting genitals feel like the only reason she is wearing any underwear at all. Like, if it weren't for that, she would be fully <laughs> naked. Like That did stand out, didn't it? Like, yeah, she strips down, except for the underwear, and we're like, you could go all the way, you know? But yeah, it feels like there's, there's a... There's that, something... I, I am dead certain that's the only reason she's not completely naked. It is... 
It probably was in the in the manga because it's my understanding because I haven't read the manga, but what I understand about it is that it got more and more pornographic as it went along. That so, is that is that I that is both my understanding and I imagine part of the reason why it has not gotten a Western release at any point. So oddly enough, this this OVA is actually the wholesome version of this story. <laughs> Wrap your head around that. For extremely specific values of wholesome. <laughs> um, I think I think I just think she's a lot of fun. Like she clearly gets like she's clearly having a blast playing this like really, just like big vulgar character. Even even down to like the last bit where like she see that Kentaro against all odds has not died, <laughs> and she just like, starts oh, running. She like just starts chasing after him. It's like make me a woman, Kentaro, and it's like <laughs> this is this. I was like, I was like rewatching bits of some of the episodes uh, during my lunch break on my phone just to kind of remind me of this before no. we recorded. You no, did I my, I have, no, I have my, I have my headphones on, but I definitely had a moment of like, no. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure my headphones can't reach a volume where people can hear what I'm listening to. <laughs> and I really hope that's true right now. Thank God for that. Yeah, we want to keep you employed. Uh, it was. She's a she's a hoot. And she's a, quite the moaner too. Just, I don't, I don't, I don't know enough. I don't know much about Laura, but I, I feel, I, I part of me does wonder was she part. Of, it's like, all right, look, <laughs> Matt, Matt's just like, it's like, all right, look, I'm gonna be very upfront with you. This is, this is what's gonna be required of the character. If this crosses a line, like that's okay. Like, <laughs> if this is too much, that's okay. And Laura's like, eh, I can do this. This is fine. <laughs> So, uh, just yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, Hardy, uh, so, similar reactions to uh, to Laura's uh, take on the character. She definitely had the most fun out of all of them. That's for sure. Um, the, the one complaint that I might have is that she kind of makes Reiko sound a little bit too old. Okay. Yeah, that's the only real thing, and because Reiko doesn't really speak very much during the first half of the episode at all she's right. very quiet and polite and ladylike um when she revs up though she uh <laughs> she definitely has uh has a fun time so yeah uh, her dialogue near the end uh well i can't really say it out loud for very certain reasons but no um she definitely had the most fun out of pretty much anyone on this dub. So, kudos to her. See, see, you said that she sounded old, that she made the character sound a little bit older. Um, and I was having a hard time uh, trying to figure out how to describe the way she speaks. Because all the actresses who'd been seen before this, um, they, they had their own voice that I could kind of identify. I don't really know what to identify her regular speaking voice as. The closest thing I could think of is that... When she's speaking in her, not her reserved, uh, kimono, conservative household voice, but her, like, this is who I really am voice, it almost had a Russian flair to it, and I don't think that's an accurate way to describe it, but the only thing I could think of to describe the way she sounds out her vowels and the way that, you know, she just sounds compared to everyone else is, it's got almost a, an exotic... Uh, Eastern European flair to see, it. See, I didn't hear Russian. I did hear a little bit of British, though. Mm, okay. Yeah. It's like so, still something non, not quite American about the delivery. 
Yeah, because I, I noticed the same thing in her performance as Godanner. It sort of has this darling, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah in remembering Godanner now, I'm like, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's like more maternal in that particular show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in this particular, in this one, which was recorded uh, years before Godanner came out, mm-hmm. it's definitely got uh, a little something to it that plays up the horny side of things. Which again, mm-hmm. not knocking at all. Absolutely, you go, girl. You you it's get like, that motorcycle, darling. You couldn't nearly compare to my Bemo baby. Uh, I take a shot every time she says the word Bemo baby. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, what, what can you expect from the assistant director of Ninja Scroll, which is uh, the guy who directed this episode? Uh, it's, and it's interesting because the, the guy who directed this, uh, Kenji Takamura, didn't really have as many credits to his name. Uh, he didn't really become, like, a staple in the animation industry like some of the other ones that we talked about. But Now, yeah, now well, I, ha- I have to ask you, Ninja Scroll the movie or Ninja Scroll the series? Ninja Scroll the movie. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, not not the full director, the an assistant director on that one. Okay. So, which is also a movie that um, is also something you shouldn't show your children. Not unless they're at least thirteen or something, because then it's cool. Well, even then, <laughs> it's uh, you know you got the right like, kind of thirteen-year-old. Like okay, he's like you're thirty. He's like okay, now don't you watch that RoboCop VHS? Wink, wink. <laughs> Oh, I can see it now. It's okay. So uh, your bar mitzvah. All right, we've done the dance. You've uh, you know you've said a uh, thing at temple. Now you've got one last part to become a real man, and you pull off of the shelf this glowing disc that is just the Ninja Scroll DVD. And you say, <laughs> "Come back to me in ninety minutes." <laughs> Father, I am now a man. I have seen the Ninja <laughs> Scroll DVD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that movie will never die. We need yeah. to add that to the two watch list as well. Mm-hmm. Get on that, Almon. <laughs> okay. Actually, speaking of anim, I'm glad we talked about animation here because our final uh, girl we're going to talk about uh, is an animator herself. Because yes, in the final episode of the OVA, this series decides to become full animation runner Kurumi and just talks about the how it, it how hell inducing it is to make a cartoon which I'm sure was not self-referential to the production of this OVA at all. At all. What? What? The guy who shows up is just a stand-in for the guy who makes the actual Golden Boy manga? No, no that can't be true. N- no, no. The fact that the names are the same is just a coincidence. The fact they look identical, it just they just happen to... That's just how all mangaka look, don't you know? <laughs> but yeah, this, this final episode is going to be interesting to talk about because... Although the main char- the main girl of Chie is uh, you know is the one who you think we'd be focusing on, the whole episode is littered with lots of people on the animation staff who I think also bear mentioning. But we'll, we'll keep it focused in on just the main girl. The uh, I, be- I believe she's a she's not an inker. She is a full on uh, animation she's a painter. cleaner. She's a what? She's a painter, I think. I could, she was doing a couple of different things, but she, she was definitely helping with, yeah, cleaning up the final animation for production. Because there are a lot of roles in uh, traditional hand-drawn animation, especially for a, a 90s television production. But she is voiced by Yvonne Egier, and I may be mispronouncing the last name, I apologize. 
I'm gonna hard. I'm gonna go out on the rim and say Aguirre. 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 Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's Spanish or what. Agui Aguirre. I, I only know uh, double R's in Spanish names. That's the only way that I know how to pronounce yeah. it. But I Aguirre. can't hold them. Ivan Aguirre. Thank you. Okay, and, I guess. And yes, you all people listening can condemn me for not being able to pronounce it properly. But unfortunately for me, Ivan has not had very many uh, credited roles. And I do mean not very many because Chie is uh, the only lead role that uh, you could say that she's had before. She's had background roles before. Um, she was in shows like Chrono Crusade. She was in the Dirty Pair Flash OVA. Uh, she was even in uh, uh, Evangelion. Uh, not as like a character you would know, but as like some background characters just filling in the walla. So yeah, this will be the probably the only time that we get to talk about Yvonne at all on this epi- on this podcast. And I'll just start off by saying that it because she is the least dynamic of all the uh, girls we've talked about, and because she's surrounded by lots of other characters, uh, Yvonne's performance is probably the most basic and normal of them all that's just the only way i can think to say it it's just the most normal i'd have to be a little bit meaner and say it's the weakest of the six girls and and probably of the entire dub she just it's not her fault as an actress but i also is because chie is sort of kind of a nothing character she's Mm -hmm. just kind of there to be sort of the sim the pseudo focus whereas the main focus of the episode is the anime itself that they're trying to create she's just kind of there um but i don't think she i think of the six like female lead performances she is by far the weakest and that is that comes across as harsh but i have to be honest with it well she leaves very very almost little impact okay so you're being a little mean on it aman would you like to be a little mean too I won't be mean, but I do. I I think I think Chie suffers from the same issue that Noriko does, where she is not as loud a character, and also like Noriko at least gets kind of like a nice, you know, dramatic for Golden Boy episode for her to be along. Meanwhile, I think Chie Chie feels like the least central of kind of the main girls. Like her, like I feel like she is kind of on par with the other no name animators that are in this episode. mm Hmm. Like, I think, like, Yvonne's okay, but I think she is, of the six of the six female leads we're talking about, I think she by far gets the least to do. Yeah. I mean, uh, in the episode itself, the most, most entertaining characters were the, uh, the, the bitchy producer voiced by Amanda Wen Lee. That and, was uh, great. And the, <laughs> and the guy uh, voiced by Andy McGavin who loves his boobs, so. Yeah. Oh, I, I love the, um, I, I do love those guys, but I also love the really big guy who Kentaro cleans up his desk and then he gets beat up for, because he's got, I don't know yeah. who voices him, I don't know which actor it is, but I feel like he's trying to be like Tony J. He's like giving it his best, uh, you know, Shere Khan, British accent. grandpa, Judge Frollo kind of voice to it. Not not part of the dub, but can we take a minute to admire that absolutely horrifying photo of an animator's desk that is definitely the desk of someone who worked on the show. <laughs> not props, not made up for the episode, but just give me a camera. I just want to see your workspace. Okay, thank you. How, how much you want to bet they argued over whose desk was the most gross and would be the best to put in the show? 
I get the feeling that some, like, there may have actually been a contest of pride, like, no, my desk is dirtier. No, mine is dirtier. No, put mine in the episode. One of them sneaks in, like, his half-eaten lunch, so it'll look worse. (laughs) I I was wrong. It wasn't Andy McCavin was the boob. It was Charlie Campbell, which... Uh Which makes sense considering his prison school performance later, which comes decades later. I must bury my treasures. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was a fun. That was a fun show too. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, we're not trying to uh, to bash on Yvonne's performance because, like, to her credit, the writing on this, like, what was actually required, is exactly what she delivered. It's not a wooden performance. It's not someone who doesn't know how to act. And it's definitely a cute voice, which is fitting for the character, because like Noriko in episode three, it's supposed to be a nice girl. It's not supposed to be a horny or out of control uh, boss girl. So it's just as good as we're going to get. And that was the last episode. So she gets no further development after that. And she's the only girl who doesn't chase after Kintaro at the end. So yeah, and, and she's. How do you fit three people in a Lamborghini Diablo? Those things are tiny. Through the well, magic of animation. There are so many things you can do in animation you can't do in live action. <laughs> <laughs> and so that wraps up our uh, our main girls, which um, I think that's, uh, that's basically the episode. So uh, I guess we move on to final thoughts, because I don't think we forgot to talk about anybody else. Uh... Unless you guys can think of someone I forgot to mention oh, in the okay, Golden okay. Boy episode. There's a scribble well, at the bottom of my notes. Uh, Hardy, say what you're going to sing and see if I can make it out. Well, I think there's one small role we forgot. All right, the titular well, Golden Boy himself. Is he really that important, though? Like, I don't know if anyone listening really <laughs> like noticed he was even there. Mm-hmm. No, he had his head stuck in the toilet the entire time. There, that's the problem. Yes. But you know what? For completion's sake, because his name is on the tin, let's talk about Golden Boy. Let's talk about Kentaro Owe, the main character who just wants to study and has an incredible fascination with the female anatomy. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of uh, conflicting thoughts about this performance, so let's just dive into it. Let's jump into the deep end of the pool. Kentaro in the English dub is voiced by Doug Smith and everyone out there absolutely knows who Doug Smith is because well I mean if you've seen any uh packaging of any ADV releases then you've seen his handiwork because the predominant thing he's known for is uh is being like a behind the scenes guy at ADV films like if you look at his credits it's a lot of producer or marketing and stuff like that not really so much on the acting side of things, but I should probably mention at least a couple of things that he's voiced in before. Give me one second while this loads. I can tell you, I can tell you of one role that he was in. Which one are you thinking? He of? had exactly one line in Gunsmith Cats, and it's from when the bo- moment where Rally picks up the shotgun and then shoots over the rails and hits one guy. And then the other guy goes, oh, I'm out of here. <laughs> it was that distinct. That was Doug that Smith's him. one role in that entire OVA. I mean, that fits that for an over the top reaction that that fits uh, Doug's performance. Um, and that's kind of indicative of his uh, acting credits as well, because aside from 
this show and the Dragon Knight OVA, where he played the lead of um, Takaru. Um, He doesn't really have uh, any other named roles to his name. Um, He's got a lot of bit parts and things like uh, Street Fighter 2, the TV, the Rune Explorers OVA, uh, like Hardy said, the Gunsmith Cats OVA, um, lots of background parts here and there. So I'm going to just go on a limb and say that this is the only time that we're going to really talk about Doug Smith as a performer, and what a role to talk about. Oh my god. Hardy, you had thoughts when we were talking about this, like, just in chat. I I want you to just go ahead and start out and saying, how does Doug handle this character? I don't want to, I can't really say that this is a good performance. You could. Does it make me smile? Oh, yes, very much so. Uh, in ways, he kind of sounds like Big Ed from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. <laughs> it's like, he talks like this. And he wants to put his head in a toilet. It's, I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what impression I was going for. Because it's not, like, an imitation of the Japanese. So, I don't know what kind of Beavis and Butthead or Jim Carrey kind of performance he was going for there. I mean, I feel, I feel like he's just, he's going for amalgamate. He's going for a voice that just indicates stupid. Yeah, he even adds with a little two, extra with two O's. <laughs> he, he adds a little, a little extra lift to everything. Yeah. So always study and be financial. Education yeah. is good for the body. Yeah, like it, it's not quite an impression, but like there's a little bit of Beavis and Butthead. There's a little bit of Dumb and Dumb. Like there, there, there's a lot of like what, what you know? How did we communicate idiocy in the '90s in this performance? And I think on purpose because hmm. I feel like half the joke of. There's a reason every episode they point out this man could have been a lawyer. And w- like he he did, he he passed all the classes. He is nominally smart. He is shown in the episode to actually be relatively competent and insightful. He is also the dumbest motherfucker alive. <laughs> it's so like yeah, we have to identify that like he's smart in how to accomplish things. He is dumb in his methods of interacting with others, it seems. And he also thinks way too often with his downstairs. She's got her Aggressively hand. Aggressively hardy man. She's got her hand on my hand. Oh, how I wish that it was my, you know what? <laughs> yeah, there's all sorts of lines in here that, like, he gets all the best lines. Like, oh, well, the girls get some great lines. But when I was talking about how they added lots of euphemisms and they filled in quiet scenes with just offhand comments, most of them go to Kentaro. And, you know, we're, we're trying to imitate the way he sounds, but... It's really all over the place. There are goofy, stupid-sounding parts, but then there's parts where he has to be serious-sounding, uh, especially like when his face gets all serious-faced. But even in those scenes where it's supposed to be serious, he's still got that uh, like goofy affectation to him to let you know that it's still the same character. Like he, he hasn't turned into um, uh, what, what's that alter ego that Urkel turned into in Family Matters. Oh. <laughs> oh, Stefan Arkell. There you go. He does not become Stefan. He is still Kentaro, even when he is really trying very hard. Yeah. No, I can say this. Um, if Listening back on it, I'll probably go more into this on Final Thoughts. Listening back on this dub in the year 2021, uh, 15 years roughly after it was first recorded, um, was it a good performance? Probably not. <laughs> 
could it have would I have preferred it any other way? Absolutely not. I mean, Doug's Doug's Doug might not be that great of an actor, but good lord, did he bring this so much life and energy to this performance? Um, it's all I can say is legend. <laughs> like, you dropped this crown. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you're going to be remembered for one performance in, you know, in the anime voiceover sphere, you may as well have a lot of fun with it. I, like, I, I'm in full agreement. Like, there, there is stuff in here which, on a technical level, I feel like could be better performed, better delivered, etc. But, like, uh, it's like, no, this, this feels so right. This is how Kentaro should sound. This I don't I I almost feel like a more professional performance would be worse in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Like I feel I feel like this captures the character who is such a messy weirdo in his own right. Like again, it's not technically great, but has lots of personality. I feel like part of the, like because clearly like Doug would get you know judging by his resume. He would get pulled in the voice booth when they need actors, but that was not his day job. Mm -hmm. And it very much felt like no, Matt was like, uh, Doug would be great at this. <laughs> hey, Doug, you want to be a, you want to be a lead in something? I don't know what is it. You played that. You played just a real horny jackass. That sounds fun. I'll play it. I'll do that. <laughs> That's everyone's dream. Like, can you can you really tell me that you wouldn't wish that your job just pulled you aside and said, "All right, I know that this is your normal job, but." We really need you to be really stupid and goofy and horny. Okay. <laughs> like, he, he he very sincerely commits to doing Kentaro justice. And I think you, like, for, his, for, like, the flaws in his performance, I think that shines through. And I feel like, you know, the flaws are there, but they don't matter. They really don't. Like, if you're, if, like, if you're, if you're not just, if you're not just off-put by Golden Boy in general, I don't see a reason why you would like this show and also have huge issues with his performance. Like... Any, anyone who's going to enjoy this particular kind of, like, crass nonsense does not seem like they're going to be, well, I thought the performance in the lead just could have, it could have, it could have used a few more takes here and there. It's unfortunate because, like, I, I have seen people use this performance as an example of, like, this is why all dubs suck because all dubs sound like this. It's like, <laughs> you're just cherry-picking an example of, like, a, a show that isn't really like most anime in general. And then they immediately follow up, but the, the only good dub is the Ghost Stories dub. Unfortunately. Which, again, that's its own other issue for another episode. Yeah. And I feel, and I feel like just, like, the zero irony that, like, I, this, this is, like, the same voice acting pool, guys. <laughs> like, like, I'm, like I, it's been a while since I looked, but I'm pretty sure this, if this doesn't share cast and crew, this is, like, this is, this is not that far removed, people. Like, kick kidding yourself it's not a stephen foster performance but it i feel like the dna was definitely set in like you were saying adv likes to liked to be a little goofier they're just a bunch of nerds that got lucky and so they were go hard or go home when it came to the funnier dubs absolutely like i think they very much saw like they understood the comedic potential that's in here like just both innate in the show and where they can punch it up a little bit in ways that make sense. Mm -hmm. And I think they went for it. And I think the, sh I think the dub benefits for that. Like, I don't know if I'd want a, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want a more trimmed down golden boy, Doug. I feel like that misses the point. It, it really is. It, it, it's not the kind of thing where um, I would encourage many other people to do. And that's my only hesitation in praising Doug's performance is that I don't want to encourage other studios to take a similar approach. It, it definitely not nowadays. 
I'm not, I'm not sure they could get away with this nowadays, frankly. You don't think so? Well, no, they can... I, oh, I, 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 in this, I put it this way, in the sense of, like, anime is enough of an international thing that even if uh, I could see them being, like, not like you have to re-record it, but, like, this is too much. You need to, you need to rein it in a little Dial bit. Dial it back, yeah. Uh, yeah, just, um, this, this very, this, this feels like the kind of thing where they wouldn't, they wouldn't hate it, but it's like, you're at 10 and you need to crank it down to, like, an 8 or a 7. So, you, I'm gonna assume that you did not watch Prison School, right, Amon? I, if we're not covering it for the show, I rarely have time to watch anime anymore. So I'm no, just, I did not watch Prison School. Put it on the backlog. Well, no, I, well, <laughs> yes, do that. But I, the reason I bring it up is because there is a character uh, played by Sony Strait in that show where the dub voice is. It, it, how did you describe it, Hardy? It's like if Meatwad from Aqua Teen Hunger Force was a, a big faced uh, teenage boy. Like a Buddha. Yeah, it's like, talks like this all the time. Which was not the voice in the Japanese. So uh, there are instances still where uh, we, we kind of gagify our voice acting for the sake of comedy. No, I, I think that can still happen. I don't think they'd allow a performance as sloppy as this. That's that's oh, the difference, I think. Okay, I gotcha. Because, like, Sunny Straits, I don't want to disperse Doug. I think he turns in a wonderful performance here. I wouldn't change a thing, but like right. Sonny's a professional. Sonny's a professional. <laughs> He's been do this. This is this is his actual job. That's what's great about there. There. Mm -hmm. That's what's great about this time here is that you, you could get unorthodox performances for from people who were not uh, classically trained actors, and you could get memorable performances, one-off memorable performances like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I don't even know if, uh, like, our discussion here is going to be, uh, is it going to convince anyone otherwise? Because I think you hit the nail on the head, Amma, when you said, if you're not turned off by Kentaro in general, then the voice probably isn't going to sway your opinion either. Mm -mm. So that, I think, is a good segue into leading into actual final thoughts on this show. This crazy wild ride that jacob wilson forced us well not forced we, we volunteered for this willingly because this was a fun mm -hmm. ride so i'm gonna just let everyone go around the table here and say what did you think of the overall dub in the show starting with spaceman hardy it is very much a product of its time uh it might be a very very more difficult sell to someone who's just recently starting at an anime like if their experience with anime is like uh, My Hero Academia and a few episodes here and there of One Piece, um, you're probably not going to enjoy this because it is very much a time capsule. You have to be in the mindset to say, hey, you know what? I want to look into anime's CD past. I want to watch something a bit older, a bit more obscure, maybe a bit raunchier than what I'm used to. You have to be in the mindset and you have to be go into that mindset knowing that the dubs of yesteryear are not going to sound as polished as the dubs of today, but they have their own sort of innocence and wholesomeness to them that uh, they are still very much worth watching. I, I was talking with you guys in the chat earlier. It's sort of like the big, the small brain, big brain, galaxy brain situation. <laughs> Whereas, you know, small brain is, I hate old anime dubs they suck. Medium brain is... Okay, so they're not technically good, but I grew up on 90s anime dubs, so I have a fondness for them. Big brain is... Listen here, man. I know these aren't the best written or acted dubs, but dang it, 
I would throw myself in front of a bus to defend them. And Galaxy Brain is, I love old anime dubs. They suck. Yes. <laughs> and so you, if for anyone going into this new, you have to be in the mindset. You have to be in a retrospective mindset that, you know, maybe if, if you're, if what you're used to is like modern anime, you might not have as much of enjoyment as this. You have to be, you have to look through the fan service, of course. Um, you have to look through the hokey acting and the and the '90s dialogue. Uh, if you're okay with that, if you're able to gel with that, you're going to have a really good time. Because I watched this again, and I was in stitches, uh, having and I having watched it in over a decade. It's uh, it's some good raunchy fun if you're into that. Absolutely, and I, I pine for the days when OVA was not a extra episode of a TV show that just got packaged in with the manga. I, I miss that we had OVAs that were like, no, it's too cool for television. Then again, we also ended up with Tripe MD Geist, but you know, hey, that, you get what you take. That's a classic to something. You can't, you can't win them all. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It, it was a bit of a crapshoot, but when you struck gold, you got Golden Boy. Hey. hey. All right. Amon Duel, what did you take away from visiting the show for the very first time? What wonderful trash. <laughs> this is... I, I appreciate a show that knows... One of my beefs with, like, kind of nominally fanservice shows is one of them kind of want to, like... They want to be fanservice, and they also want to be, like... Oh, we're so cute, and... In it. Like they want to dance around it. I appreciate the ones that just commit to like, no, we are we are gross, sleazy trash. That is what we are. We know what we are, and we are okay with that. And I always appreciate that over kind of the stuff that kind of wants to have its cake and eat it too. Mm -hmm. The show, like it, it knows what it is. It goes for broke. It is very specific. Uh, again, if you fight like you can you can try the first episode. If you feel the urge to tap out at any point during that, like tap out it is not going to get any better than this save like maybe episode three will be a little more palatable to you and even then it's not like that is not also weird and trashy in its own way um <laughs> Kentaro but got like, a kiss. exactly exactly what i'm thinking of uh but like it is like if you're if this if this is there's anything remotely appealing about this to you it is fun i think this is a this dub is a blast it is very much the like it is the kind of dub you would want for this kind of show and a show of this vintage it's, this is delightful. I'm I'm glad I'm glad this has not been one of those old shows that like it came out in like the 90s and 2000s and then the license lapsed and it's like, yeah, everyone used to watch that one. No one's seen it though. You haven't been able to legally get in this country for decades. Like I'm glad that it's also back. <laughs> Every you time it goes it out of print, someone picks it up because this is Discotech is actually the third licensor for it. Yes. <sighs> Amazing. Hardy, you have the the Media Blasters home video release, right? Uh, I have the discotheque one actually. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Because you show me a picture of the of your box set, and the artwork is uh, almost identical to the one that I have, which is the Media Blasters one. Yeah. Hmm. Out of curiosity, does that one come with any uh, special features, anything at all? No. Trail it the original Japanese trailers, I think. That's not a special. It's it's pretty bare bones. Yeah. I have it too. There's not. I I'd, I'd be shocked. At, I, from what I can, 
It looks like some premium edition somewhere had like an interview with the mangaka, but I think that might have been produced by that particular company, and it's not something that's just readily available for anyone to license. Yeah, so let me read off what the special features are on the Media Blasters release. Oh, these are a treat. Oh, boy. Special features. Double disc set. Ah. 5.1 audio. Nice. Whoopee. And, I love this, image gallery. Oh wow! Wow, these are no expense. I'm I'm slightly disappointed that it did not list menu as a special <laughs> feature, which I realize this this almost certainly wouldn't release long after they stopped doing that, but would have fit. It would have, especially I if it's an interactive menu. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Both English and Japanese audio and interactive menus. Sign me up. Yeah, that. Uh, it's almost like Aniplex listing English credits as a special feature. <laughs> and it's not even a scroll. It's like one screen. <laughs> this took us forever in PowerPoint to put together. Give us some credit. But to, yeah, to wrap this all up, the final thoughts on this, it's, it, it, I don't think you're going to see the premise and the artwork for the show and not know pretty much right away whether it's going to be for you it's not going to shatter your preconceptions about like sexuality it's not going to make you think differently of 90s ovas because it fits into quite a few of the stereotypes of uh tits and action that we come to expect and god bless them for it because we don't do that anymore but the dub itself is the kind of thing where i don't want to praise it too much just because I've, I've said the, the mentality before that you should dub anything as if it was going to be someone else's favorite anything. So it should be taken respectfully. And so when you gagify it in some cases, which they do in some points here, it's like, I don't know if I encourage this today. But it's been around for a long time. It's a staple in many people's diet from when that came out or when they started getting into anime and people did recommend something weird and out there like this that you're not going to find on television for that i absolutely endorse it um there's it's like aman was saying i don't think i'd want a refined kentaro i like it this way uh is a one-off thing if every dub sounded like this then yes i'd be annoyed but for this one out there series that has both its funny and its heartwarming moments this is I, i think this is the kind of dub that we deserve to get so with those positive voices out of the way there, and if you've watched this and you think to yourself, all right, I'm in the mood for retro stuff, where can I watch this? Well, like Hardy was saying, it has been re-re-licensed uh, from ADV to Media Blasters to Discotech. Yes, our fine folks at Discotech have the license to this, so they have it out on DVD and Blu-ray now for you to purchase. Or if you have a subscription to Crunchyroll, you can watch it there too. Yes, Golden Boy is up, all six episodes uncensored for your enjoyment over on Crunchyroll. And that is why you should check it out as soon as you're done watching this episode. But not before uh, Oh yes, I'm sorry. I will I will note just I will note just for uh just in case people looking for as far as I know there is no Blu-ray. It sounds like uh mm. I think Discotech looked into that at some point and there's some sort of issue with the masters kind of preventing like an H D version or something like that. Okay. I yeah. I apologize. Uh, when, when I hear Disco, yeah, even the DVD has some really janky parts in the intros and stuff like that. 
Yes. Uh, also, if you watch if you watch it on Crunchyroll, you will find out they do not include the end credits for whatever reason. Mostly because it's just a scroll of text with the song playing over. They don't. They it, include the song. No, they don't have anything. Wow, that that's a miss. It just the episode. The, the episode just ends. I was. I'm sorry. I I liked. Uh, I mean, I skipped the ending song after the first episode, but I wouldn't want to uh, tell people not to listen to. Uh, What's that song called? Because it's one it's one of those original songs that's sung by the cast. It's like, study boy, study, or something like that. I don't know. But the point is, is that, yes, you can check it out with or without the theme song. I guess that's up to you. Uh, wrapping this up here, though, uh, if you want to know where we are, we are the Dub Talk Podcast. And you can follow us all over the internet with the handle of Dub Talk Podcast. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. We are using our Twitch channel a whole lot, so definitely check that out. We have our audio-only feeds over on Podbeam, Spotify, and Apple. How do you like the apples? And that is why we have to give a huge shout-out to everyone who listens to our episodes. Thank you guys so much. We would not be able to do this without you. And we especially would not be able to do this without our patrons, the fine folks who contribute a couple of dollars to get the episodes out early, get entered into the raffle to have their episodes featured, and are an amazing group that we do this for. Starting off with our $5 patrons, thank you to Sue Tweet. Thank you, Michelle Travis. Thank you to Nico Robin, but with yowie hands. Thank you to Megan's mom and dad, and thank you to Victor Mayberoda. But let us give an even bigger round of applause to our $10 patrons, the ones who chip in a little bit extra and get our sincere gratitude for being part of this adventure. Those individuals are Crimson Echidna. Thank you so much, man. Thank you to Carly Lestikow. Keep being an amazing individual, and I hope you have a happy holidays. Thank you to Julia W. Thank you to Otaku Anthony, one-of-a-kind individual. Thank you to Jared Hawkins, also an amazing individual. Thank you to Marissa Lenti. Keep up the amazing work in the voice acting industry. And speaking of the voice acting industry, thank you immensely to our suggested patron for this episode, who is out there doing his own work in the voice acting world, Jacob Wilson. Check out Jacob's Twitter for all of the latest things he's been doing. And again, we would not have done this without you, Jacob. So thank you for forcing us, quote unquote, to watch Golden Boy. Now, we're wrapping this up here. Um, Hardy, what are you doing when you are not watching 90s uh, OVAs? Usually I'm lurking on Twitter if I'm not at work. Um, you can find me at on Twitter at Spaceman Hardy. Uh, what am I doing? I'm just retweeting a lot of fan art lately these days. But occasionally I'll do occasional angry rant and uh, and uh, post a few goat pictures of something or not. So uh, just come by and say hi. Wash your hands, wear a mask, and uh, keep it manly. Yes, do that. Aman, what are you doing these days? Well, you can find me on Twitter as well at AmanDuelUS. Duel is two years in it. I talk about movies and music and incessantly retweet Steely Dan memes that only I find funny. <laughs> uh, because all of my followers follow me for anime takes, not smooth jazz rock. I they're mean, they're lost, really, frankly. Uh I mean, if it makes you feel any better, as soon as I see any music takes of any kind, I immediately think, like, I gotta send this to Amon. So I'm not following you just for the anime takes. That's sweet of you. Uh, and I also have a dusty old song. Uh, I, of, I, yes. Yeah? Sorry, I saying, yeah? Yeah, speaking of music, we couldn't, do, we couldn't wrap this up without a 
dusty old song. No, uh, I, had, I had some slight trouble with this one because initially I was going to do um, Peaches by the punk band Str The Stranglers, and I thought, this is a little too mean for this show. It's a, it's a little too, like, leering and glaring. Um, so I had set aside just to go for something so screamingly obvious, I tried to see if anyone had done an AMV of Golden Boy to this song, and I'm not sure if they have, which I'm, I, there's maybe a segment in an AMV Hell segment, I don't know, which I'd be surprised if they didn't. Um, a music critic I like talked about how he has a fondness for songs that have kind of become just, like, shorthand to the point where, like, they aren't kind of useful songs anymore, they just, they mean a thing. Oh, I think I know who you're talking about. And in the context of that, there's really only one song that can go for this. Is, does it have two words to it? Uh, yes, it does. Is it by a couple of Swiss people? Absolutely. Is it have almost no lyrics and is featured in more than uh, one 80s teen movie? I, th I think he knows what it is, folks. I think he knows oh, that it is... Oh, yeah. It is Oh Yeah by Yellow, which is... The sound of someone leering over their sunglasses and an attractive person. I, I actually find that really funny you should say that, because you know that song has been in an actual anime before? Really? Which, yeah. which one? It was in the original Manga UK dub for Space Adventure Cobra, where Yellow did the what? entire <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> what? It is a dub that has been lost to time, but it's generally considered to be actually the superior of the two dubs for that film. Fascinating. I was say, yeah. I, yeah, I saw the, the streaming version of that, and I don't remember that. Yeah. Now, the one wow. that you get on the Blu-ray and DVD and Ultra uh, 4K the release is the streamlined dub. But, uh, which, is, wow. which is a streamlined dub. Yes, we'll have to cover that eventually, too, because it's the one of the few things that was ever dubbed for Space Adventure Cobra. But yeah, no, the Mega UK release got a completely different uh, OSD done by Yellow. That makes sense. Fascinating. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad you also mentioned that uh, song, because uh, my daughter Ruby, who is four years old, mm -hmm. really likes that song. I was, <laughs> I, was watching the, I was watching the music video for it, and uh, on my phone, just randomly listening to it, and she said, "That's a scary song, but I like it." <laughs> and so, anytime that she says, "Can I listen to the scary song?" That's what she wants. She wants to hear "Oh Yeah" by Yellow. Look, I, so I got. Oh, oh God. Look, I I can believe that. I I can remember distinctly the first time I saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is my introduction to that song. And even the time, it's like. This song really stands out compared to all the other music in this movie. What is this? It's not a bass. And to, of course, got a reference Sunny in Philadelphia. Day bow bow. Day bow bow. Uh, we got way off topic yeah. there. Yes. But um, what do I do? Uh, to wrap this up, uh, my name is Noah Clue, and you can follow me on Twitter at Noah Clue where I post pictures of my aforementioned children, puppy, and the things I'm baking, because I'm in the middle of the holiday baking season right now. By the time you listen to this, I will probably be done frosting 250 sugar cookies, making 250 chocolate-covered peanut butter balls, and uh, probably trying to hide them so that no one else in the house nibbles them before I can share them with people. I don't. I think we've studied ourselves into the final exam. So uh, mm. may you all be free. Go forth and study and live a full, eventful life. Rock over Boston, rock on Chicago. Keep it manly.
Aloha and Otakuan, my fabulous studiers. <laughs> Alright, you ready, Hardy? Uh, no. It. My audacity. Oh, okay. It, it kicked back in again. Okay, I'm ready. Right. Oh, okay. Alright. Hello? 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 Who's hosting? I don't know who's hosting. I thought you were hosting. No, I thought you were hosting. Oh, okay. Alright, I'll. All right, what? we'll make this work. Okay, no, I'm sorry. I was misinformed. Because you asked me in on the episode. I thought that you were uh, in charge of it. What? I I thought Amon was in charge of it. I thought you were in charge of it. Who, me? Uh, you're listed as host on that spreadsheet we don't look at. What? 